Has your curiosity ever driven you to want to do something you've never done before when you have little prior knowledge or experience in terms of how to go about it or how it's going to pan out or even if it's going to pan out or how you're going to make it work? Are you itching to start a project right now, but you're hesitating because it's filled with uncertainty and there's so many questions that you haven't got answers for? Well, my friend, I am very familiar with that scenario. A few weeks ago, I published edition 100 of Midlife Cues. Now, reaching number 100 of anything is a significant milestone that really should be marked and celebrated. I learned my lesson (laughs) in terms of celebrating everything small and big. And for Midlife Cues particularly, it's a big deal for me because this is one of the most personal projects that I've ever undertaken. And it's also one that I started without a clear blueprint in mind. Talk about not knowing how to go about it or if it's even going to pan out or how I'm going to make it work. It was 100% a result of a series of what if questions that I was asking myself and a decision to like, you know, why not give it a try? So as a way of marking the milestone, I reflected on what I have learned through the experience. And after that, I realized that my takeaways can be applied to all kinds of future projects, not just writing projects, but any kind of project where I feel a little vulnerable and I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing or how I'm going to make it work. And so I thought I would share these five lessons or takeaways with you today because, you know, you might find something here that you could apply in your situation as well. My name is Lou Blazer and you're listening to Second Breaks, a show where we talk about embracing our midlife and having a blast in this time of our life. We talk a lot about pivots and reinventions too, because often that's what many of us are having to do. Now, I am not an expert on midlife living, but I bring in varied voices to help us all figure out for ourselves what it takes to have a great experience in our middle years. Okie dokie. On to the show. Okay, before I give you my takeaways, I wanted to give some context first so you can understand a little bit where I'm coming from. So Midlife Cues is a weekly newsletter that I publish every Sunday. I write it for ambitious, driven midlifers. And in it, I explore the topic of intentional living. It's about finding joy and making the most of the second half of our lives. And really, at the end of the day, it's about being a better human being, the kind of person that we've always wanted to be. I started Midlife Cues as a nameless newsletter back in early 2020. The quick backstory is that I had just made a major life decision uh, back then to temporarily relocate to Asia to spend some time with my mom who has dementia. And as part of that decision process, I was evaluating the parts of my life that I wanted to bring with me and which chapters I may want to or need to end or close. It was during that evaluation process that I fell into this wonderful rabbit hole that led me to make a decision to start a weekly newsletter that would marry my love of research, 
writing and sharing what I'm learning. When I hit publish the first time, I didn't even have a name for the newsletter. I just referred to it as my weekly newsletter. I didn't have a clear value proposition or even who I was exactly writing for. My primary drivers back then were that I had a desire to explore certain subject matters, to learn certain things, and to share what I'm learning. Oh, by the way, and most importantly, because of where I was at that point in time, I could do all these things in Asia, no matter where or how I land. So fast forward to March 2022, I now have a value proposition, a much clearer idea of who I am writing for, and a process that allows me to publish consistently. Through Midlife Cues, I have gained thousands of reader friends, men and women who all self-identify as midlifers. I spend the majority of my working hours researching, writing, editing, and publishing all the things I love to do, and I couldn't be happier. And so anyway, that's the backdrop. So here are my five takeaways from starting the project. Takeaway number one, some questions cannot be answered on day one. So when we're starting something new, Especially when we're doing something that we've never done before, it's natural to feel nervous and anxious. And the way that we want to address that anxiety or that nervousness is to plan or like to over plan, actually. We try to consider everything. And I find that this is especially true when what we're doing feels uncertain because we're, we're trying to stabilize our situation by thinking everything through. Which is funny because if you think about it, the more uncertain things are, the more questions we have, the more things we don't know about, the more things we cannot answer. And so we want to address the questions that are coming up because it's uncertain, because we're not sure. And yes, some of those questions will need our attention right away, but actually Many of those questions don't need answers immediately, and some cannot even be answered on day one. It's going to be like driving in foggy weather. We can only see so far. But if we keep inching forward, no matter how slow we drive, more of the road ahead will be revealed. So it's kind of like that when we're starting something new, where we have little prior related experience to sort of uh, bank on. So my takeaway from this experience is that, you know, go ahead, draw up some plan if you must, if that project manager side of you is kicking up a fuss. So, you know, go ahead and draw up a plan. Just get comfortable with marking many of the things on that plan TBD, to be determined, or with question marks. Because there are just certain things you cannot plan for at the beginning. And don't worry about it too much. Trust that you're going to figure out the answers for those questions soon enough. Leave those questions for the future you who will know better than the you who is just the starting line. So takeaway number two, you don't need to explain everything 
to everyone. The truth is that there are people in our lives who might want to know what in the world we're doing and why we're doing it, right? Some of them are going to legitimately care about us. They care about our well-being. Some are just curious about what we're doing. Some, you know, may even be paying attention, close attention to our projects because they look to us as some sort of role model or something like that. But they're just paying attention to what we're doing for some reason. So here's the thing. We don't have to give everyone a full-blown answer. We have a list of people whose input we seek. And for them, for these people, explaining what we're doing makes sense because we're looking for their input, for their advice. But for the rest of the world, not necessarily. The beginning of things can be hard to explain. Let's not add pressure on ourselves by having to get everyone's buy-in right out of the gate. I mean, there's going to be time for that, but not right out the gate. Now, bouncing our ideas off people is a great exercise. We can get feedback that may help us refine our idea or streamline our process, but we just have to keep in mind that there's a fine line between bouncing off our ideas and getting quote-unquote permission to do our thing. So we're just going to want to be careful when we're seeking people's input that we don't veer off to that seeking permission side accidentally. So as we're doing our thing, as we're starting our project, and some people are asking, what are you doing? We're going to have to get comfortable saying, I'm testing something out. You know, that's all. That's all we need to say. I'm testing something out. It looks like fun. We don't need to explain more than that, at least in the beginning. Takeaway number three, experiment and don't forget to have fun while you're at it. You know, I have discovered that one way to counterbalance the anxiety that I'm feeling when I'm starting something new is to ask lots of what-if questions. This is certainly something that I did so many times when I started Midlife Cues. I asked so many what-if questions, and I find that when I'm answering that question, I don't necessarily need to come up with the right answer or even a very serious answer to begin with. Um, but the answers that I come up with, I treat as simply hypotheses that needs testing and experimenting. I find that I enjoy my experience so much better if I'm not tied to a certain outcome or a particular result, which, let's face it, in the beginning, whatever those target results or target outcomes that we have in mind that we may come up with are simply best guesses right at the beginning. I also discovered that it's best to not rely on so many assumptions or so-called givens that we have to test our theories, our assumptions, even the things that we think are true. Um, we have to test to see if we're going to enjoy this thing that we say that we want to do going forward. We want to see if it's something that we're going to want to do for a long time. And then as we're testing, we'll want to pay attention to the signals so that we can adjust our plans and our process or our project. Now, signals can be internal, such as our feelings about what we're doing, our energy level as we're going about it, the fears that are coming up for us. 
Signals can also be external, like the feedback or the reactions from other people who are interacting with us as we're doing our project. The important thing here is to not over-focus on the external signals, which is sometimes the default. It's important to pay attention to our internal signals, what our body is telling us, what our own experience is telling us, right? And the combination of the two will help us evaluate how we move forward with the project. Takeaway number four, solve for consistency. Now, if the project or the endeavor that you want to start requires you to do something consistently or produce something with some level of consistency, and I think most projects will probably require us to do that, it's of course important to pull together a process that will allow us to to do something consistently or produce something consistently. The thing is, sometimes we get so fixated on designing that process, optimizing it, automating it, maximizing outputs, all that kinds of stuff. The reality is there's no point coming up with a process that we're not going to follow, right? So we've got to be honest with ourselves. What will it take for us energetically, mentally, physically, time-wise to deliver or to do something weekly, daily, monthly, whatever the required frequency is, what process will allow us to do that consistently? What in our life needs to give a little for us to be able to do what we want? As they say, something's got to give. We cannot assume that just because we are passionate about our projects or we have a quote-unquote strong why, that we will be able to do that thing consistently. We got to test our process. And also the fifth takeaway is going to have something to say about this as well. But the other side of this equation is considering not just how we can deliver something consistently, but what we can deliver consistently. Perhaps we can only do part of the whole thing initially as we're testing things out and we're figuring out the best way to do something. We can always add and iterate. In the beginning, Solve for consistency means what can I deliver consistently for now? How can I deliver this thing consistently for now? And this leads very nicely to the fifth takeaway, honor your rhythms and cycles. So we are naturally inclined towards time management. We have always been conscious about maximizing the results of our efforts. That's what we've always been taught to do, right? Uh, How do we be more effective? How do we be more efficient about everything? How do we make use of our time? But I've learned by now, being productive isn't all about time management. It's also about managing our energy and matching the work that we do with the energy that we have on any given day or portion of the day. Creative energy is different from executive energy, is different from administrative energy. Our project will require different kinds of energy from us and forcing ourselves to do creative work when our energy barometer is pointed at the administrative level is going to be a losing battle. We're going to end up exerting more effort than we would otherwise need. And so we need to 
get better at paying attention to our energies, our physical energy, our mental energy, and to try and match the work that we need to do with the energy that we have uh, on a given day. Now, one thing to remember, when things happen in our life, in the middle of our grand experiment, our rhythms and cycles will likely change, as what happened to me when I made the huge uh, relocation to Asia in the middle of this experiment, right? And I learned to respect that. I cannot expect myself to be the same or have the same energy level or have the same cycles as I did before, no matter how much I plan. I learned to respect that changes in our lives affect our rhythms and our cycles. And I learned not to get too frustrated with myself, which is a big lesson, especially for my inner critic. So just to wrap up, those were my five lessons. Number one, some questions cannot be answered on day one. Number two, we don't need to explain everything to everyone when we start our project. Number three, experiment and don't forget to have fun while you're at it. Number four, solve for consistency. And number five, honor your rhythms and cycles. Creating midlife cues is one decision that I will always be proud of. Producing it has been <laughs> educational for me, cathartic, challenging, and yes, frustrating at times. This project has stretched me in different ways and in different areas. I've learned new skills, found my voice, and I've grown as a writer. And because this project naturally lends itself to learning, I believe I've become a better person too. I believe the lessons that I've learned from this experience will be valuable and applicable to future projects as well. And I hope that you found some gems in here as well. Good luck with your project. Go get it. That's all I have for you today. I will be back in a couple of weeks with a new episode and a new guest. Until then, keep on making your den, my friend. Go Beans!